0: A new year has just begun, and it will be over before we know it. And if we're not careful, we could miss some, if not all, of what God wants for us in this year. And wishing for it is not going to make it happen. All that wishing does is create feelings. God wants us to hope. And when you have hope, you you are led to action. When you have hope, you do something about what, what is moving inside of you. God is calling us to live hopeful and to be helpful. And, and, it, and to do that, you've got to live. And, and unfortunately, what I see happening so many times in our lives is that we live dying. I, I heard this this week. I hadn't heard this in a long time. But I think it resonates with, with so much of what we do with our one and only life. This was written by uh, someone. We just don't know who. It says, first, I was dying to finish high school and start college. Then I was dying to finish college and start working. Then I was dying to marry and have children. Then I was dying for my children to grow old enough for school so I could return to work. Then I was dying to retire. And now I am dying. And suddenly I realized I forgot to live. God is calling us to live. To live is to change. To live is to change. If you're going to live, you are going to change. And God doesn't want us merely to change. God wants us to change and become hopeful so that we are helpful, so that we can lead more people to anchor their life and their hope in Jesus. And what we see in our text today is that we see Jesus doing miracles. We see people experiencing the power of God. As Jesus comes upon them. And the the outcome of these miracles is to change lives. When Jesus intercepts a life, when Jesus becomes a part of a life, everything changes. And hear me, it keeps changing. God is never done with us. As long as we're breathing in and out and our hearts are beating, God is at work. And He wants to do a work. And once Jesus has entered your life, He's going to move. To know Jesus is to know what it is to live. And to live is to change. If we live by faith, and as we embrace these changes, friends, we're going to be filled with hope. And when you're filled with hope, you, 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 you do something. And what does God want you to do? He wants us to be helpful. He wants us to live hopeful and be helpful. So let's see what Jesus did. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, turn now to Matthew chapter 9. And Paige Madison is going to read for us today. Paige, why don't you come on up? And if you would, go ahead and stand in honor of God's Word. This is God's holy Word. And we're going to be uh, in a number of scriptures today, but I'm going to ask Paige, if she would, to read for us uh, just verses 16 and 17.
1: No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine from the old wine wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put to old, fresh wineskins, and so
0: both are preserved. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Paige. If you would, go ahead and be seated. God is at work. Understand that and he's leading us. He, he's leading us to step out in faith. And and this new lo- this new wine, if you will, as as Jesus put it, it's, it's new life. And it requires new wine skins, which is new it's a new way of living. Listen, the the work God wants to do in your life will not be able to be contained by the old way in which you were living. God is bringing about his will on your life. And as God's will intercepts the reality of your life, your reality is going to change. Which is going to require you to live in new and different ways. Now, over the years, God has blessed our church to step out in faith and to join God where He's at work, not only in our city, but around the world. And that that has started and, and, and much of the way that has started is through the gift for Christ. We receive an offering so that we can send teams to go to faraway places to take the gospel where it needs to be, where in some instances it's never been. This last year, we can celebrate this this morning. This last year, uh, for our gift for Christ, we received over $305,000 above our regular giving. How amazing is that? God, through the generosity of His people... Has provided over three hundred five thousand dollars. Now our goal was three hundred fifty thousand dollars to do all the trips, but because of the savings we've we've had last year, we're we're going. We have that three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we're going to be able to do all of the trips that that God has put on our hearts to do, which is such an important thing. Because see, what happens often when when people go, God does a work in them, and and there are some who say. I'm meant to be a partner who regularly comes to this place to serve for a week or so at a time. There are others who come back and say, we've got to send more. We've got to give more financially. But then there are also those who go and they ultimately say, I'm supposed to stay. This is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm supposed to to come and be a missionary here. See, we're all missionaries. All of us who live in Bowling Green, we're missionaries to Bowling Green, Kentucky. But there are some who are called to leave our city and our church and go and plant new churches and do new works. Now, uh, this morning we have uh, some of our partners, a couple, who has done that. Uh, Mark and Parker Phillips, if you guys would come on up. Uh, Mark and Parker Phillips, that, that, that's what happened to them. They were on our staff doing a great job with high school ministry. And where did you guys go? What was your trip where you really sensed the Lord was saying trip, it? I
2: we went to Botswana and then Parker right and together with to South Africa.
0: So I think, though, I always remember in South Africa, it's when you're like, oh, man, this is what God's calling us to do. So God has led you all to serve West Africa, to seek the song high. Um, That first year, what what were some of the big faith challenges?
2: I think the faith challenge started the second we stepped off the plane. And it was really just a question of, is God going to be enough? We knew the answer to that intellectually somehow, but did we really believe that? That as we're laying there in our tent sweating in a village that is one hundred percent Islamic, a, a village where we couldn't even say hello to people. A village that was hundreds of miles from the nearest hospital, the nearest internet connection, even the nearest fellow Christian. When all those things we kinda learned to depend on and lean on were gone, we had to ask ourselves, Is God really gonna be enough?
0: And so what did you learn? What what did what did you walking by faith, what did you learn? How did how did God work?
1: Uh. You know, faith is simply just trusting God when you don't understand the situation. You can't see what's ahead. You don't know what's going on. And like Mark said, you know, at first our challenges were, are we ever going to get the language? Can we survive the heat? How are we going to live in a third world country? Can we deal with being so far away from our family, our friends, and everything familiar? And what he taught us was, no, we can't. But he can because his power was and is made make perfect in our weakness. And so how He grew our faith was just simply when we stopped depending on ourselves and we just learned to trust Him completely.
0: I remember, I remember y'all had that blog where the pave road ends. Yeah. And I remember one of the first pictures uh, was, was a picture of the donkey bringing y'all water. Remember that? And I remember, some of us remember praying that the water would get there so they would have water yeah. for the day. And those were some of the early challenges. What are some of the challenges now?
1: Well, um, our challenges look a lot different than what we thought they would when we first moved overseas. You know, things we never imagined, like Ebola and Boko Haram that's right next door. And, you know, like we received word yesterday that there are extremists burning churches in our city right now. Um, and then some are just simple things like not being there or not being here to, you know, be different milestones like birthdays and weddings and graduations. And then there are. Really hard times, like when I got the phone call that my grandmother um, had cancer, and I knew I wouldn't be there to say goodbye. that I have to watch my mom suffer from dementia, and I'm a thousand miles away. You know, like Mark lost his father in a blink in the blink of an eye. Because so those things are really, really hard. And in all those things, in all those hard and challenging times, you know, we just cling to God, and we trust that He's working everything for our good and for His glory.
0: You know your faith challenges. They, they're just like the faith challenges of a lot of people. It, a lot of it is distance, though. So. What would you say to folks who are who think to themselves, "You know what? I've got this challenge in my life. I really can't share my faith with my neighbors. I've got I've got these things in my life. There's there's things that scare me. Um, you know. Uh, what would you say to folks who are being yeah. held hostage by those things?
2: Yeah, just what you said. The challenges we face. They might sound different. They have different names. They sound scarier. Ebola, Boko Haram, those sound frightening. But they're really the same challenges we all face. It's a different face or a different name. The, at the heart of that, what's behind that is we have a choice to make. Am I going to love security and comfort and safety more than I love the gospel? Mm-hmm. Am I going to cling to this life like it's all that matters? Or am I going to throw it away for the sake of the gospel among the mm-hmm. nations? what you said a minute ago, Missions isn't just for missionaries. The, the Great Commission was given to all of us to right. make disciples with the nations in view, that we would all pray towards that and give towards that That's and right. go towards that. So whatever challenge you're facing, is, I think it's that same challenge we faced when we got off the plane. It's not, is God sufficient? Is God going to be enough? It's, I really believe that.
0: Yeah. Oh, Guys, let's pray for them, and let's ask the Lord's blessing. God, today as we worship here in the safety of this facility and the safety of this country. We have brothers and sisters who are in harm's way in EMA and in other places in the world. And we pray God, not only for protection but for the expansion of the gospel through this. as As they reveal not a heart of hate, not a heart filled with wrath, but hearts that are filled with love. And as they show the love of Christ, I pray, Lord God, that You will save many. God, I pray for the the faith of this congregation and the faith of, of each individual family and each individual life. Lord God, that, that we, will, we will seek to trust You and that we will see examples like Mark and Parker. No, these are real people who, who would never say, we got this figured out. Oh man, we, we, we just go and blow. We, we don't have to think anything about it. Lord, they're living by faith moment by moment. And, and You're calling us all to live by faith moment by moment, in the moment, trusting You. So God, enable us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen love you guys thank you all you know as we hear their stories we think about our own story and we think about what god is doing and you know the, the thing that doesn't change is the call to live hopeful and be helpful and if you're going to do that if you're going to do that in west africa um you know i ask asked that you pray for ross and nally uh, ross wellman again one of our partners uh his grandmother passed away last night he can't come he can't help so we have to pray for him and, and as we face and you've got your challenges you come in today and you said, you know what I've got to deal with this this is my challenge. I've got all this stuff. listen, no matter what what it is that's in front of us that's telling us that we can't live hopeful and be helpful whatever it is, God is bigger and, and God says, trust me." Live by faith. And that's what I want us to talk about. It's what I want us to see in this text today. God is saying, I am here. I am real. I am at work. Trust me. And to live hopeful and to be helpful, you've got to do that by faith. And by faith, write it down. Let's take some notes. Let's look at this text. By faith, get past religious activity and into divine reality. Get past religious activity. Get past going through the motions. Get past just going through your schedule get past just doing what you always do get past that get past the comfort of that get past the ease of that and stop praying that, that god will make you more comfortable and start praying that, that god will make you more committed so that you can join him in what he's been doing And avoid this this religious mindset. And instead, understand there is a, a God who is alive. There is this divine reality we can experience. You look in verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to Him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? Don't you just love religious people? Here, God is at work. And they're talking about what they ought to be doing. Hey, you know, the way we do it here is, You know, we have a system, and you need to conform to the way we do things, because this is our religious tradition. This is the way we do things. You need to keep doing things the way we've always done them. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wine skins, and so both are preserved. See, the the religious leaders wanted life just to be about duty. God wants it to be about delight. God wants your life, my life, our lives, to be about delighting in Him. It never ceases to amaze me how religious people can become so judgmental. And so narrow-minded and narrow-focused into thinking everyone's supposed to look like them, talk like them, and and do what they do. And how little delight they have in their lives. I'll tell you why I didn't go to church for years. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you why I didn't believe in Jesus for so many years. Because it seemed to make miserable everyone I knew who did. They, They rarely laughed. They were always judging me and other people like me. They didn't understand me and they didn't want to. All they knew was I was wrong, they were right, ha, 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 let's go to, he- let's go to our heaven and, and let's laugh as he goes to hell. God wants us to delight in him. And I'm going to tell you, when you delight in God, there is a joy that produces kindness and compassion. There's a delight in the reality of the living God who's at work in you. That changes the way you live. Changes the way you look at everything. And that's what God does. The, the light that God gives is a life that changes. And we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to, to let God order our lives and hold us that we might live in and with and for Him. Now God's new way in this new life, it's, it's going to require us to be open to, to a reality that we can't maybe even see right now. And see, that's what scares a lot of people. This whole idea of change and having to go forward with what what God may be doing, that's freaking some of you out, just even talking about it. Just get your blood pressure going up. But friends, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to feel that way. You can simply trust God. You can trust God that He is good and powerful and loving, and He's going to guide every step. But I know it's a challenge. A few years ago, we hosted a a conference here on church revitalization. and, And the purpose of this was... For healthy churches like ours to go to churches in our area that that are on the cusp of dying, if not already dead, for us to partner with them and, and to enable us, whatever God has given us, to help them to become healthy so that they can grow and so that we can expand the kingdom. I had a pastor come to me and ask me if, if we would be willing to partner with them to, to, to do revitalization. And I said, well, let's talk about what that looks like. And he said, well, let me just tell you what it looks like. It looks like you sending 100 people from your church to come to our church. And I said, okay. If 100 people came from our church to your church, how, how will that impact uh, the life of your church? Are you willing to change Are you willing to see where God is at work? And are you willing to do things differently than you've done before? And he said, oh, no, that's crazy. I said, so wait a minute. So what you want is you want us to send a 100 or so healthy disciples into an unhealthy environment to do what you've been doing for years that has led to the death of your congregation. And he said, well, when you say it like that. And I said, friend, I can't help you. What I can do is I can pray that you would be willing to change. And, and friends, here's the deal. We're we we're going to help churches. But the churches that we're going to help are going to have to say to us, we're willing to change. Pastor Benny and I are going to go visit a church here. He's on sabbatical. He and I are going to go together in a few weeks to look at a church that's doing this effectively in their city. And they're helping Other churches. But one of the things the pastor, when I talked to him, he was here uh, back in November. When I asked him, I said, How do you know the church that you can help? He said, The same way that the life that you know you can help. And I said, What do you mean? It's the life that's willing to change. It's the life that's willing to say, God, I trust you. It's the life that says, Lord, pour into me the new wine and make me a new wineskin. Pour into me new life. Pour into me what it is you are and, and what you're about. And then make my life malleable so that I can hold what it is that, that you are doing. And you have to understand, if, if God is going to come into your life, He's going to change you. He's going to alter the way you live. Now, the change does not include, what we when we talk about change, we're not talking about changing what the Bible says that is true. We're not talking about leaving behind sound doctrine. And hear me, we're not talking about leaving behind spiritual disciplines. We're talking about leaning into them. We're talking about creating spiritual habits where we say, God, I know You're alive. I know Your Word is alive. That's why I'm going to be in Your Word every day. I know You're at work and that You work through the prayers of Your people. That's why I'm going to pray. And Lord, I know that You're seeking to save the lost. That's why I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to to share with those who are lost. Who God is, what the gospel is, so that they can believe. I'm going to draw my three circles on as many napkins as I can, as I taught you last week, and I'm going to say there's God's design, and because of sin, we now have brokenness. But if we will repent and believe in the gospel, we will be saved, and we can pursue God's design, and all things can be made new. We do that because we trust in the divine reality, not in religion. We're not caught up into religious activities and our schedules and what makes us comfortable and the things that we like to do. We're caught up in who God is and the fact that He's a living God, that He is at work in the world, and we can trust Him because He's good. And when we live in that divine reality, there's hope. We live hopeful, we become helpful, and that is the end, that is the goal. Second thing to note, by faith. We can live hopeful and be helpful, and by faith, get past hurrying and into the moment. Get past hurrying. We are hurrying past so much of what God is doing in our lives because we're so caught up in our agenda and the things that we want to do and the things that we want to be about, but we're missing what God is doing. So many times we're so caught up in our schedules and the way we like things to be that we miss on the, the new life that God wants to bring. Look in verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and out before him saying, my daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her and and she will live. Jesus rose and followed him with the disciples. And behold, a woman. Now look, now Jesus is busy now. He's got a plan now. His disciples are following him. He's going through a crowd of people. There's, there's a miracle that needs to happen. He's been called. He knows that he's going to go there. He knows that he's got it. So you think about the mindset. Okay, I've got to get this done. There's, there's things to do. Verse 20, and behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, look at this faith, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Now did Jesus say, whew, that felt funny. Let's keep going. No. What did he do? He stopped. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. We often think God and life are so far ahead of us. It's like that poem we just read. We just think what what, what we really need to focus on is our next season of life, the next stage of life you know cuz that's where god is there's there's something better and and many times there is i mean god is at work in the future but we ne- we need not just live there we we need to live in the moment where god is at work right now and be aware of how god is at work and join him here is jesus he's busy he's got a miracle to go perform But there was a miracle in that moment right then and there that he did not miss because he was living in the moment. Look, there are miracles happening in all of our lives right now. Are you seeing them? Listen, you've got to look for them. You've got to look for the miracles that are in your life right now. You've got to look for the ways God is at work. You need to be looking for the ways that God is at work, not only in your life, but in the lives of those where you live, work, learn, and play. Because God is at work around you. There are lost people that are that are needing the gospel, and God is at work. The Spirit of God is at work. We need to participate in those miracles. We need to participate. Jesus participated in this, this wonderful occasion because he was in the moment. And you need to be we need to participate. You say, How do I participate? You share your faith. You tell people over and over again the story of how God has come to rescue us. And you show them how they can believe. And then you walk with them into their belief. And you bring them to church and you introduce them to this community of faith. And you teach them how to worship, how to connect, and how to serve. New members class this afternoon. Listen, you need to be bringing folks to church with the mindset that I'm going to be sitting with them and and introducing them to people in the new members class so that I know that they are going to be able to create a new life in Christ. That this new wineskin that they're going to go ahead, they're going to ditch the old wineskin and they're going to become a new wineskin where this new life can live. And we need to celebrate with them. One of the best ways that, that I celebrate, that I love to celebrate, is baptism. When there is a new life that has been made in Christ and we get to make that a public moment of celebrating that this is new life, there are too many Christians in this congregation they have never baptized a person that is not a family member. Why is that? For some, it's because you led them to Christ and you said, all right, Pastor, I let them, you cook them and fry them. I caught the fish, you do the rest. It's not, that's not how it works. It's not how it's supposed to work. See, we're all disciple makers. Jesus told us all to go and make disciples. To go and make disciples and baptize them. That means... Not just the religious professionals. All of us. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. It's not just the religious professionals. It's not just those in position. It's everyone. And remember that He's with us always to the very ends of the earth. And celebrating the, the gospel and the grace that God gives. Being helpful. It can be a one-time thing, but God doesn't intend it to be. It doesn't have to be. It, it's a, for a church, for a church family... For those who are living on mission where you are, it's sharing your life. When Mark and Parker, when they share the gospel there in Iru, they didn't just have one-time encounters. And then once Ibrahim and others began to become believers, and once they were saved in faith, they didn't say, okay, I hope it works out for you. You know, what they do? They walked with them. They discipled them. They spent time with them. They still they still spend time time with them and as a family of faith we need to be spending more time together and i want to encourage you to be a part of something we're going to be doing on the third wednesday beginning in february we're going to spend some time together we're going to have a meal and then we're going to pray we're going to have the lord's supper we're going to have some fellowship spend time together this would be a great time for you to bring a friend who's not a believer to to introduce them we're going to have the lord's supper yes they can learn about that they can learn about how we pray they can learn what prayer is and then they can be a part of the fellowship. But this is really a great opportunity for us as a community of faith to disciple one another, to encourage one another. And that's what you need to be doing in your, in your connect group, your small group. This is what you need to be doing on Sunday mornings, not just in and out. It's, it's time together. It's a great time to be reminded to live in the moment. God wants us in the moment, not worrying about what's up here, in the moment where the miracle is happening and participating with Him and what He's doing. by faith, write it down. Get past what you can do and and into what God can do. I appreciate what Parker was saying right there. We can't do it, but God can. We're trusting him. Verse 23, and when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and, and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away from the girl. The girl is not dead, but sleeping. And look what they did. They laughed at him. They laughed at God. But when the crowd had put had, had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all the district. Guys, I, I, I quote this all the time. If you ever get a note from me, you, you see this. You see this. This. This scripture, Luke eighteen twenty seven. What is impossible with man is possible with God. I believe this. I know this. There's things that we cannot do. What are some of those? Well, we can't make a dead heart come to life. We cannot transform a person's eternal hope. We cannot enable someone to believe. We can't do any of those things. That is a supernatural, divine activity that that is wrought by the Holy Spirit of God. But what can we do? We can join God in what He's doing and realize there will be those who laugh at us. There will be, just like they laughed at Jesus... There will be people who will laugh at us, maybe out loud, but maybe out loud. And they will say to us, that marriage is dead. That person is too far gone for God to save. That that society is over. That, That place is finished. Give up on it. Get out of there. Don't even waste your time thinking about it. You think about the 80-some percent of people who don't give a flip about God this morning in our own city. You know what many of them are saying? Well, they know where we are. We have a big sign out there. If they want to come, they can come. You know what they're saying? They're saying, this can't happen. I'm going to tell you, God can reach this city, and I believe He wants to. I believe God wants us in the near future to reach 1% of this city. I believe it was down to my toes. I know it. I know He does. What's going to make that happen? Well, we're going to have to go where Jesus is needed. Take just a minute think. Where is Jesus most needed in your life today? Not in your interior life, in the life around you, where you live, work, learn, and play. Who needs Jesus? Take Jesus there. This... This father brought Jesus into a situation that everyone said was hopeless. Take Jesus to work. Take Jesus to school. Take Jesus into your neighborhood. Take Jesus uh, where, where uh, th- there's a-, a game going on. Take Jesus where you're active. Take Jesus jesus and share the hope of jesus and actually invite people to trust jesus and then help those who believe to become active members of living hope where they worship connect and serve and and trust that god is at work trust that he's going to be there one more by faith get past what you were and on with what god is making you look at verse 27 And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See, that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. It, It amazes me. The people that Jesus tells not to say anything, they say everything. He's told us to go and make disciples of all nations and we don't tell us all. Strange. Strange. 32. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never has anything like this been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the prince of demons. Now, I want you to notice this. There there were two, two distinct situations and, and these folks had their identity wrapped up in their situation. There were two blind men. And what did they call them? Hey, there's two blind men. And then there was another guy, the mute guy. And that's, that's how they were known. Two blind men, mute guy. That was their identity. That's how people recognized them. That's how they thought about themselves. We're just two blind men. I'm just a, a demon-possessed possess, mute. I want you to understand. God changed not only their circumstance but who they were. And that's what happens at salvation. He doesn't just change the fact that you're standing with God is no no longer bad but now good because you've been forgiven of your sin. And he no longer and he doesn't just change your heart. He doesn't just give you a new heart and make you the righteousness of God. He changes your very identity. That's what God does. That's the miracle of Jesus. He changes Who we are. It's new wine into new wineskins. It's completely new. And if God has brought that healing into your life. Through faith. Then you are no longer what you were. You are now a blood bought. Spirit filled. Child of the king of heaven. And you need to know it and live it. And when you believe that. You have hope. And when you have hope. You do something with it. When you're living hopeful, you can't help but be helpful. And we've got to go forward. We've got to go forward. Hear me. Some of you have been Christians a long time. You've got to go forward. Some of you have put the have hit the pause button too long. Some of you gotten so kind of stuck in this, This well, this is what I do. And this is how things go. And this is how, uh, you know, I'm comfortable. Listen, you got to get past that you got to embrace this, this teaching in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He's talking about the faith. He's like, I haven't got it all figured out. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is forward to what it lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. We've got to stop looking back. Your best days of faith are not behind you. They're before you. Everything that you have done up to this moment, you need to understand, is a warm-up for what's next. You say, I'm tired. He'll give you strength. You say, I don't like change. To live is to change. Are you saying you don't like life? Life brings change. God is bringing life to us. If we will embrace this life, it is going to create change. And we're gonna we're gonna have to go forward, and you got to be ready for it. It's a it's a warm up. Everything up to this moment, I want you to think about this has been a warm up, and I know that's sort of scary because you're thinking, my goodness, if this is the warm up, we started doing something a few years ago. I, I quit it uh, for for many reasons. But have you ever heard of the workout called Insanity? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the workout called Insanity. It's insane crazy people do this and, and i did this for for a couple of years with a group of guys and i'll never forget the first workout it's about 35 40 minutes long and 15 minutes into it i thought maybe we should call an ambulance but then he paused and he said all right we're going to stretch a little bit and i was like oh thank you jesus i mean i was worshiping in that moment it was oh. and then he said now that we're down, done with the warm-up, now we can get started. And I thought, this was a bad idea. This was a bad idea. I'm not going to name names, but there, there are pastors who came in when we were doing this workout. One I will never forget, came in on the first day. About ten minutes he disappeared, didn't show back up. I checked with him later, I said, buddy, what would you do? He said, well, after ten minutes I went to the bathroom, I threw up, and I decided I need to go home and he never came back. Listen, everything up to this moment has been a warm-up for what's next. Are you willing to embrace it? Are you willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Are, are, are you willing to look at what's, what's ahead and say, you know what, I'm not what I once was. What I am becoming is what God wants me to be. And that gives me hope. And because I have hope and not just mere feelings, I'm being driven to do something. You'll know the difference. You'll know the difference by how you live. If you genuinely have hope, you will have activity that will help. If all you have are feelings, if all you have are feelings about your faith, feelings about things that are going on, you can know all you're doing is wishing. Wishing. You're just wishing things would be you're just wishing God would but if you hope in God, you trust in God, He'll do miracles. He'll change you from what you are, were, to what He wants you to be. And that change will be constant. That change will won't stop. And and so I want you to write this down. Living hopeful and being helpful will require new ways of living that will challenge you, but will lead to blessings for you and others. So I'm wondering, are you willing for that? Are you willing to to live hopeful and to be helpful? Are you willing to join God in what He's doing? Are you willing to say, Lord God, save me from my sin and take over my life? Are you willing to say, God, I don't know what you want from me next, but I trust you? Are you willing to say, God, I'm tired. I I feel worn down. I I don't know that I have the strength. Are you willing to say to God, God, I know I don't have the strength, so I'm going to have to trust you to strengthen me. I'm going to have to trust you that you're going to show up when I need you. And I'm willing to do it. If you're willing to do that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come get on your knees before God today and say, God, I'm willing. Save me. Lead me. Make me what you want me to be. If you don't like to come forward while the rest of us are worshiping and praising God, listen, when, when God's doing a work in your life and you've not said yes, then you can't rightly worship Him, so don't. Come and get on your knees or just sit down right there where you are and say, God, I'm willing. And then tell Him what you're willing you're willing to join Him where he's at work. You're willing to share your faith. You're willing to give Him your life. You're willing to be a Christian. You're willing to be who God makes you to be. That you're willing to trust Him. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, in this sacred moment, I ask that You would allow us to act on our faith. Some to... to to come and, and to give their life to You. To be saved. Some to, to renew their hope in You. To trust You for the challenge that is ahead of them. To believe that You can heal what is broken. To, to restore what is what has been taken. Lord God, that they can come to You and, and look to You. It's, it's such a joy and a blessing. And I pray right now that many will as we sing to You, as we praise You and worship You in Jesus' name. Amen.